This show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to versustheuniverse.com. That's vstheuniverse.com. Are you listening in your car while you're driving somewhere? That's cool. Lower the windows. Tell everyone what you're listening to. Are you on the train, on the bus? Do the same thing. Tell everybody what podcast you're listening to. There's no time for opening bullshit. We're getting right into it because it's E3. Wow, we held that for a long time. Yeah, we did. Well, let's get into it. Shall we clink? Let's do it. Let's go. Welcome to this very special episode of the Cooperatives Podcast. Pa- <laughs> no, we're, we're keeping that in. We're ke- I'm not editing that out. Right, Cooperatives right, Podcast. Right. Cooperatives Podcast. The Bears. The Bears. Oh, welcome to Chicago. All right. Welcome to this very special episode of the Cooperatives Podcast uh-huh. with the real life human couple Liz and Aaron, Yo. where today we are discussing the joys and sorrows of E3. There are so many joys and sorrows. E3 is like a holiday to me. Liz, how long have we known each other? Oh, don't ask me this question on live podcast. It's <laughs> live podcast? Live podcast. We, we've known each, for as long as we've known each other, E3 has always been a part of our year. Wait, since February of 2015. Is it 2015. Is or it? 2014, I think so. but you know, I think it's You know it's what? Love is eternal. Whatever. Yeah, all that matters is, is is the rest of our lives. Yeah. Nothing from the past matters. No, screw the past. The past is prologue, but anyway, E3 is the present. There it is. Yeah, so every year, <laughs> <laughs> every year since we've been together, I, I have taken it upon myself to have E3 parties ever since college. I've invited people over to play E3 bingo with me. We watch all the conferences. We get hyped. We have some beer. We have some pizza. This year, we had like a lot of Cheez-Its and Starbursts, and there's still some pizza. Yeah, we had beer and pizza. It was a good time. an enduring tradition. It was pretty good. Yeah, Uh, we had hummus, too. We did have hummus because we're adults. Yeah, Yeah. and hummus is good. Hummus is... That was some good hummus. It was. It had this like fire-grilled bread Mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Hummus Chat. Hummus chat. Okay, but we are here to tell you. I'm like really here for hummus chat. I know you actually do want to do the hummus chat. I got really excited. But E3 is like one of my favorite times of the year. I I put it on the calendar months ahead of time. I'm already thinking about next year's E3. And really, it's just a good time to talk about what's going on in the video game scene. And we're going to tell you about the video games we were most excited about from this year's E3. Yes. And I do have to say that... (laughs) I think Justin McElroy tweeted about how Griffin <laughs> always puts the E3 calendar events on his personal calendar. And I felt so <laughs> connected to in that moment because I always see the E3 events on your personal calendar. And I was like, yet again, Aaron and Griffin are the same people. It's fine. No, it's great because E3 is a time for people to come together. It's a time about community. It's a time about shared excitement. It's like... The highest highs and the lowest lows. And usually the lowest lows are like Square Enix and the highest highs are Sony. But Sony wasn't here this year. Yeah. So this was super weird. I've only been watching E3 since I've known you. Mm -hmm. 
which has been in the vicinity of 2014 <laughs> to 2015, probably 2015. Circa Hamas, Hamas chat, 2014. Circa Hamas chat. Um, so what was weird this year was usually the party that we have or whatever always centers around the Sony mm-hmm. presser. Is that what it's called? Am I yeah. using the right language? Well, it, it's like the Sony media presentation, right. but whatever. Extravaganza. And so this year, not having it was weird even coming into E3. It was a very, uh, like, it kind of felt like you were having a birthday, but half of your friends weren't there. Right, right. Because mm. they're like, we're having a birthday sometime next year and all of the new presents are going to be coming out at that point yeah. and so we don't want to give you any presents at this time during this year because if we gave you the presents this year you might not like them but next year the presents are going to be great so basically it sounds like is it confirmed that sony's new console is coming out next year it's not confirmed but the big rumor is that holiday 2020 is when the ps5 is coming and i think that's further indicated by microsoft saying their new console is coming holiday 2020. Right. So whatever. And it sort of seems like maybe Sony didn't want to have a conference this year because they didn't want to be like, uh, we don't have anything new to announce because everything is in development or not coming out for two years. There are so many theories. And this is why I want to start that E3 podcast where all I do is talk about E3. And I'm really on the fence about doing it. Oh, wow. I didn't know that was in the works. Is it going to be just you talking Kinda. to you about Kinda. E3? But like, uh, that's, I'm really, really thinking about doing it. This is a project for next month. It's not a project for now. But what I, whoa, whoa, what's whoa, up? Whoa. What's up? So What'd you this say? E3, yeah. which was like maybe subpar. Oh, I have opinions. You have opinions. Oh my well, goodness. let's hear the opinions, but I want to know what is it that, what was your number one good takeaway from this E3? My number one good takeaway is that this is a holdover year. This is a year where people are kind of just coasting. Wait, that doesn't sound like a good... I, I think I framed it wrong. What was your favorite thing that came out of this E3? Oh, my favorite thing to come <laughs> out of... Was it that this is a holdover year? Um, Gosh, so I'm, I'm going to tell you one of the things that we're going to talk about later because I said... Let's talk about the games we're most excited for. And I told you specifically, you may be surprised by the games I talk about. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to get to that. The thing that... Surprise me. The thing that I discovered is that I'm a Doom boy, baby. I love Doom. I'm not surprised. You've been playing it. You've been playing it on your Switch. I know. But here's the thing. I watched the Doom gameplay like three times already. That's 12 minutes of Doom. And all I thought was... Shit, I've been missing out on Doom my whole life. I love Doom. I'm a Doom boy for life. Man, you you just did not love Doom until quite recently. I know. And and like I was adamantly anti-Doom. I played it on the PS4. I played it on the Xbox. And I was like, this isn't for me. Why can't I get into this? And of all systems, I played it on the Switch and I loved it. Yeah, I'm not a huge first-person shooter fan. And it was sort of interesting to see what it looked like when you were playing on the Switch because something about the screen size almost seemed to make it a little bit more manageable to me. Can I tell you something? Please. You you were uh, gone part of last week. And you can, yes, you've told me that. Yeah. And now I know. <laughs> I don't know if you were aware, wow. but you've left the premises. But like, I've been playing handheld on my Switch. I very seldom play games on the Switch on TV. I think I did it once. But when you were gone, I played Doom on the TV and it was like, oh, this is scary. 
Oh, like, really? It was, it was so much coming at me, and I was like, no, I got to play this handheld. It's, it's way more manageable, like you said. Doom on the big screen, specifically when you're fighting something like a cyber demon, and the game is like yelling at you like, like that, I was not having it. Yeah, so I didn't really ever know anything about Doom. I just sort of vaguely was like, oh, it's a shooter. But you and- telling your aunt what the game was about made me so happy. Yeah, so early when you started playing it, I was like, what even is this? And you were like, okay, you're a space marine and you find a door to hell on Mars. <laughs> and I was like, that actually, time. that actually sounds though very interesting. <laughs> like way more interesting than anything I would have assumed. Mm-hmm. I thought it was maybe just like generic dungeon crawler shooting things. With a name like Doom, you can go in a lot of different directions. You totally can, yeah. So I, I had no idea really what it was. I'm still not super interested in playing it, but it's very pleasing to see how much you've taken to it in the last three weeks basically i i just i feel like adorable about it like if that's a way to feel about something you are adorable about it because because i don't think like killing hell demons is is like my type of game it sounds interesting but it's apparently it is but it's not something i would have like dived into but man, getting a chainsaw and cutting off like a, a, a mancubus's head is awesome. So you started playing in part because you knew they were announcing a sequel. So this this one you played on Switch is not the same game that came out in whatever, the 90s? No. It, so Doom was like on every PC. I, I think it's a meme where like it's not a real computer unless it can run Doom from like 1994. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I always felt like. It just wasn't for me. I never could really get into it. It was on sale on the Nintendo eShop one time, and I'm like, whatever, I'll give it a shot. But what was on sale? A remake of the original? The 2016 Doom reboot. That's by what I was Id getting Software. at. Okay, so the reboot is a tiny bit different. It's it's a it kind of takes the flavor of an old school PC shooter, like the floaty controls, and uh, it really ups the urgency of what you're doing and it gives you a lot more weaponry to play with and there's a really interesting mechanic where unlike a lot of first person shooters you have uh like an hp health bar so you have 200 bits of health and every time you get shot you might get like 20 points lobbed off and one of the way that one of the ways that you can recuperate your health is by doing something called glory kills Oh, boy. This is basically when you get an enemy down to like 10% health, it'll flash white and yellow. And if you go up to it and press in on the right thumbstick, you'll do a glory kill, which basically like you'll take the demon's head and split it in two or like... And absorb its life essence, apparently. Yeah, and it, it's such a cool... Um, it, it's it's like pressure on luck within a first-person shooter game. And I found that... Very intriguing this time around. I like using the the board game terminology of press your luck. Got to keep it analog, baby. So you you played this reboot, uh-huh. which has the same story as the original, more or less. Uh, gosh, you know what? I don't, you know. don't know. I just know it's like you fight hell people, sure. people from hell. So it seems like it seemed to me like you were motivated to play this because you knew they were announcing a sequel to the reboot. I was kind of like. I really wanted to see what the fuss was about because almost everyone I know loved this game. And I was kind of banging my head against the wall. Why am I not getting this? And one day it just clicked. Nice. Yeah. So it turns out there is a sequel. There's a, there's a sequel called Doom Eternal by id Software. It comes out three days before my birthday this year, November 22nd. Which was announced more or less at E3. Yeah, at the Bethesda press conference on Sunday night. 
And just looking at the gameplay footage, they, they, they had like a four minute long demo and it just looked like I understood all the mechanics that were at play. It was fast. It was furious. No pun intended. But like, it really just felt like this visceral first person shooter ex- experience that I don't like get often. And mm-hmm. now that I had a taste, it, it's kind of like Doom was the appetizer and I played it on a Switch where the graphics and visuals are probably lowest settings. And if I can play this on the PS4 Pro, oh baby. Oh boy. Oh baby. I, I'm just, yeah, I'm so into it. I'm. You are Doom Boy now. I'm Doom Boy, baby. I'm a Doom Boy for life. <laughs> You're so ashamed. I love you. I love you. All right. So what 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 game are you excited about? So, you know, I'm not extremely excited about almost any games that I saw. I think the fact that the Sony Presser didn't happen this year, that's usually where a lot of the big stuff that I love is announced. That's your Horizon. That's your that's, Uncharted, oh your my Last God, of Horizon. Us. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, yeah, there just weren't a ton of games that I saw that were really for me this year. Mm-hmm. That said, I'm extremely excited and intrigued by this new Watch Dogs. Oh, boy. I was so... I didn't know what you were going to say. Right. Watch Dogs Legion was the one thing we saw that kind of blew my mind. So um, Why? Why Watch Dogs Legion? So I talked to you about this a little bit, but I've always had this like weird daydream thing in my head about like if you're just walking down a street that you could sort of like, if you could like zip from your brain into somebody else's brain and just sort of like suddenly see their story walking the other direction. Kind of. I mean, not anything sort of like nefarious, but just more like zipping through and like observing these different stories. And Watch Dogs Legion almost does this for you. So the premise, Watch Dogs is a series about hackers. Mm -hmm. And the premise of this, it's post-Brexit London, which like kudos to them just figuring out that this was going to be a thing to really latch onto Mm -hmm. because it's definitely taken them more than like a year to make this game. Yeah, the the Watch Dogs 2 came out, I think, 2016 or early 2017. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it has taken them only a year. They're crazy at Ubisoft. Yeah. But so uh, you play a legion of hackers that make up the resistance. And basically, and it, they keep saying this, and I almost find it hard to believe, but apparently any character that you see out in the wild you can recruit to join your legion and they all have backstories and actors and different things happen in the game depending on who is part of your team and it can be little old ladies like can Helen. You please, oh, please tell us more about that. <laughs> so I'm so excited about this. They showed they showed this woman Helen as an example of like a random person that you can recruit to join the resistance and she's this like 70 year old lady who is apparently like retired mi5 (laughs) and is actually an assassin but she still like hobbles around like a little lady with her cute little lady clothes and her hat the animations are incredible and i want to point out like three four years ago ubisoft came under fire because they said oh well female character models are just really hard to animate and i feel like the watchdogs team said screw you we're making helen the protagonist this hobbly old lady that animates really well well you know it's i had forgotten that they ever said that and it's interesting that cassandra from assassin's creed became such a huge success i think after they said that yeah 
Um, and I don't know if it's that somebody internal was like, fuck whatever producer said this, <laughs> I'm going to run with it. But um, they, I think that their woman characters have been great uh, as of late. And so what I, but that's one thing I'm really excited about with, with Legion is I can make my team all women or all women appearing people or, you know, like they've done a really good job uh, having a lot of diversity in the NPCs in this game, it looks like. And so you can really pick any group of people that you want. And you have to pick people that have complementary skills, but mm-hmm. it's like the near future in London, so apparently everyone's kind of a hacker. And yeah. um, there's drones, and there's like a little bit of like a, um, I don't know, like an East Germany thing kind of going on maybe. Um so yeah, it looks really interesting, and I have never actually played any of the Watch Dogs game, but I watched you play Watch Dogs m- Two many, many minutes of Watch Dogs Two. Only minutes? Many hours? Uh, I don't know. I watched you. I watched you play a big chunk of it. Yeah. I don't know if I watched all of it, but I really loved what I saw you play, and I've been meaning to play it for a while. I would love to watch you play that game. Um. Uh-oh. Oh. Sorry, the beat speaker went. The beat speaker went went dead. Um. Yeah, I've been meaning to play them but you know i have this weird thing where i'm like i have to play things in order mm-hmm. and apparently everyone hates the first one what's interesting is the first one is now kind of like coming around where people are like it's an underrated classic and i'm firmly like no really it's bad it's not good hmm. but watchdogs 2 to me is one of the most overlooked games of the of maybe all time I love so it. yeah i mean i was amazed when i saw you play it like there's so many cool things that you can do um, so I think I'll have to at least play the second one before Legion comes out. Can you tell us a little bit about the marketing pitch that uh, that Clint Hawking said on stage? He he seemed to really do like a call to arms to people. Oh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, I Again, timely and sort of interesting that this is what they're embracing. But they were basically like the takeaway from Watch Dogs Legion is that the hero isn't just like some heroic person out there. It's all of us. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't said so much in a everyone can be a hero kind of way. It was said like it is everyone's responsibility to work together to be the resistance, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting um, and very political. Kind of heavy for like a marketing pitch. Yeah, but I fully support that. And you know, that's what's so interesting. I think that Watch Dogs Legion really fits the time right now and maybe that's why it really grabbed me like it's been sort of a weird few years politically in like the entire world um especially the western world that we're like more aware of Mm -hmm. and to have a game that sort of like takes advantage of that kind of weird feeling that's out there right now that weird energy i'm like into it i'm very into it i i really love the way that you put that sentiment into words you're just so much more elegant at expressing that idea than I am because Aww. I we, we were sitting on the couch watching the stream when we just got back from DC and um, I remember looking over at you and being like that's a hell of a marketing pitch and you kind of launched into what you just said and I'm like ah that's that is what I'm feeling I'm feeling that kind of unrest I want to play a game like this where I can live out that sort of power fantasy of of pushing over the regime and, and taking things back yeah, which is kind of ironic in a way if the message is supposed to be like you should actually take responsibility and do something and then it's just a game where we're not really doing anything. There's layers, man. There are layers. <laughs> well, and and some of it is like 
you know, all of us, well, many of us, I think many of our listeners have like resistance fatigue. That's been a thing for over a year now. That's a good point. And maybe giving this kind of an outlet to the concept of the resistance is kind of nice for that, even if it just maybe helps you recharge a little bit. Mm -hmm. I... I definitely find myself looking at games as escapes. Like Spider-Man was such an incredible escape to me. Doom, in a way, was an escape for me. It's so removed from the world that we live in. But you don't yeah. have uh, alien Martian hell beast <laughs> fatigue? I mean, here's the thing. I feel like the fatigue is wearing off. And like, I, I don't know if I told you, I'm doing the Liz Warren uh, call bank center on the 22nd. I can't wait. Oh, good. Four hours. But nice. like... Like, I'm ready to get back into it, and I feel like there probably is, I mean, I don't want to give them too much credit. There probably is an opportunistic take for Watch Dogs Legion. There always is. But, but like, I'm here for it. Like, put that game out there. I will play it. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. And, and even just, like, the technology, I part of me it's is... so ambitious. Can't, yeah, can't get over the vastness of what they say they've done, but... This is the same studio that puts out... Odyssey. Yeah, I mean, Assassin's Creed games that the last several have been huge, sprawling open worlds with, like, actual historical context and... Well, and all these Hundreds of hundreds of characters. They all work on every game. Exactly. And so they've got this system down from making these huge worlds. And the, the gameplay in this looked more like Assassin's Creed than... Um, the last Watch Dogs mm-hmm. did, I think. So they really are learning from the other things that they're doing. But this that was the one game that really excited me as far as like, you know, there's some technological potential too from like what they are apparently able to accomplish with this. Like, I don't even, the storyboards for this game have to be so insane. Like all of the branching patterns. Yeah. And I would love to talk to somebody there about how they even were able to do that. Like, if are some of the characters overlapping in such a way that like you you can get the same story with different combinations of people? Like, I just don't understand how they did this. So the game director is is like, it's such an exciting thing for me. Clint Hawking is the game director, and he probably the most uh, prolific game that he's uh, directed is a game called Far Cry Two. And this is before Far Cry became kind of like a manufactured every year release type game. When I talk about what I love about Far Cry, I think about Far Cry 2 because you had one life and if you died, you died. You started over. It's a game that introduced permadeath. And Watch Dogs has that for all the people in your legion. If they die, they're dead forever. Oh, yeah. That's one thing that kind of is weird. They like showed a permadeath in the E3 presentation. And on the one hand... And it was like part of the story, which was sort of weird. Again, I like don't understand how they're doing this, but I also feel like there's something weird about being like build up this army of the resistance because some of them have to be expendable. Yeah, like, oh, they will be disposable at some point yeah. in time. Like, imagine if you build up Helen to be this amazing assassin. No, Helen is going to live forever. Don't even finish that sentence. Okay, I'll leave Helen alone. I'll leave, leave Helen alone. Leave Helen alone. I, I love Helen. Um, I'm so happy that, that that game connected with you because I've I've been looking forward to it for such a long time and I'm I'm happy that we're going to be able to share that together when it comes out in March. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, so I I kind of said we'll, we'll do this episode and talk about the games that excite us, 
but you mentioned at the top of the show, um, I really wanted to talk about games that really, really excited me. And I wrote down a list of games that I was like, oh, that's cool. But then I whittled it down to games that I was like truly passionate about. And I really only had Doom. And uh, this is, this is, I feel like this is going to be very like, oh, duh. But that, like all the Final Fantasy stuff they showed. Yeah, well, that's actually what's next on my list is the Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I have never played the original Final Fantasy. Some kind of spoilery thing happens that I still don't know. Please don't tell Liz about I Final Fantasy VII story stuff. I have remained mostly naive about it. Um, I didn't start playing Final Fantasy until Final Fantasy X. Well, I didn't start until like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to start with the very first one because you were oh so God. passionate about Final Fantasy. And I was like, I've always been intrigued. And by the time I was sort of interested in trying it, it was already like 10 and I, I was intimidated. So I just didn't do it. But now I'm going to start from the scratch. And I started with the first one and it was so painful because it's just like, it's, it's old, one man. of those old, you know, 16 bit walking around in a field forever and ever and bumping into bad guys things and i just was like i don't actually have the patience for this anymore i don't have any nostalgia associated with this game that's the thing and if you played games like that a ton when you were a kid you know where to go like i get i kept getting stuck and it is not fun (laughs) to just like yeah so Well, well so so the thing that i was realizing is i'm writing down all of these games that i was interested in and they all had a theme and the theme was Young kids rising up against an oppressive power. And that is Watch Dogs Legion, the Final Fantasy VII remake. It's all about eco-terrorism. Final Fantasy VIII remaster. That's all about kids in a school fighting against their, their teachers and their captors. Wolfenstein Youngblood. It's all about killing Nazis. Fire Emblem Three Houses. All these games share that thread, that through line, that theme of young people have to clean up the mistakes of the, of the older generation and I'm just looking at this like, oh, maybe I maybe I do have like fatigue from the world and I am looking for that escapism. And like, oh, man, I did a lot of thinking today. But but Final Fantasy seven felt like a it felt like an easy pick. It felt like a oh, duh, Aaron's going to pick that. He loves Final Fantasy type of pick. But the more I was thinking about it, I'm like, no, I feel like this is kind of the game we need right now, because without getting into it. It is a game about eco-terrorism. It is a game about going against giant corporations. It's a game about figuring out who you are. And I'm I'm ready for that kind of like heavy-handed JRPG storytelling again. And when they showed us the new combat mechanics yesterday at the Square Enix uh, video presentation, it looked new. It looked like they were excited about it, which made me excited. It doesn't look like a soulless cash grab. So yeah... I'm on board saying I am just fucking here for it. I can't wait. How do you feel about the fact that it's going to be split up into some unknown number of pieces to be released over some unknown period of time? So great question, Liz, and I'm glad you asked that because the game director is Tetsuya Nomura, who basically created Kingdom Hearts, and we all know how long it takes for him to make a Kingdom Hearts game. And we all know I didn't like Kingdom Hearts 3, but... This is a game I already know I like. And Final Fantasy VII, when it initially shipped, was on four discs. And the first disc is basically Midgar, which is what we've seen of the game so far. 
and the second, third, and fourth discs are beyond without getting into it. And so if they want to take Midgar and make it into its it's like fully realized potential of a game, I'm here for it. Just make sure the games are good. I'm more interested in where they're going to drop the story beats because there are some very specific chapters of Final Fantasy VII that you could easily stop and start and showcase some characters and have others like leave entirely. It's a little bit like like a Game of Thrones season in that way. And so I think they know what they're doing based on what we saw last night, based on how they're kind of realizing some of these characters. I can only hope they choose to age some of the more problematic parts better, but we'll it's still a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, I mean, it's still... It's they still just a, released Cindy yeah. two years ago. I mean, it's still Japanese developers trying to reinterpret a game from the late 90s. I We'll see. I can hold out hope, but I won't be holding my breath. But everything I've seen so far just looks so good. Ugh. It's hard. But also Final Fantasy VIII Remaster. Yay! Yeah, it's been interesting over the last few years. I feel like they've announced a remaster or a reboot or a remake of something in the franchise every year. So the interesting thing about eight, and and I've I've been reading up on this, but they lost the source code. They lost the game data for eight years ago. So they're doing a remaster, but all the assets are redone. All the backgrounds are redone. The character models look incredible, but it's still the old gameplay mechanics. So... That sounds ideal to me. Give me the old game with the battle system. Just make, just like up-res all the character models. I'm happy. Yeah, that is crazy. Probably not ideal for the people designing the game, but. (laughs) Nah, nah, man. I just, I don't know. I'm ready for Final Fantasy VII. I just hope, you know, it's, it's good. What else did you say is on your list? So, like the list of games that I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Do you want the full list? Oh, no. I thought you maybe had like one more that you wanted to talk about. I only want to talk about the games I'm truly like 10 out of 10 hyped for. And honestly, it's Doom and Final Fantasy. And I would talk about Watch Dogs, but you took it. So I am, I'm there. But yeah, really, it's like those two. I I think E3 was kind of a, like I said, a holdover year. There's just not a ton to show, you know? Yeah, I do feel like we should mention Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm not terribly excited for, but you did you pre-ordered it and everything, I think. Yeah, so I I really love the idea of Cyberpunk. I am not thrilled at all with some of the choices I've seen them make. Um and who knows if I'll keep that pre-order, but it looks interesting to me. And that's one of the reasons why I, I haven't, I, I didn't make it like 10 out of 10. I need to talk about this yeah. game because there there are a lot of problematic elements about it that I really can't get behind, but we'll see. So it know. seems like it's sort of a Fallout style open world game, right? Yeah, by the Polish designers, CD Projekt Red, their most oh, famous Oh, a making. Witcher style open world game then. Yeah, but Witcher was third person. This is first person. So your right. Fallout assertion was right on. Um. And it takes place in 2077. It's like the cyberpunk genre. Um, although I feel like they leaned into it a little bit more heavily at some points earlier on. And 
I would like to see a little bit more in terms of like cool body modifications and stuff like that. Well, this is the thing. It's like a 1985 version of what cyberpunk is. And when I think of cyberpunk now, I kind of think of Black Mirror. Like, I think a lot of the newer Which ideas. Which is more like what Watch Dogs Legion is. Right? Like, I I just, I'm curious how a lot of those ideas are going to play with the modern audience. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see it play out. Yeah. Do we know anything else about, like, what that game is or what the story is or Cyberpunk? anything like that? Yeah. No, we know it's just a, it's, uh, it's what they call, like, an immersive sim. It's kind of like Deus Ex. Where uh, where you are fully assuming the role of a character that you make. There's reportedly a pretty robust character creator. And the rumor is that you can change a character as you go on. So if you want to play as a guy, you can. But then if you want to play as a lady, you will body mod up and, and change. And the identity politics there are really interesting to me. But I don't know if I trust this developer to handle that elegantly. Yeah, that's true. I get that yeah it's it's just there there's a lot of fog associated with it and the thing about doom is i don't have to worry about that shit you know mm-hmm. like with cyberpunk i i have a lot of reservations so it's it's a lot it's just a lot and i have some of that with final fantasy 7 but they've shown us so much more of what that game is and yeah we'll see mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see man we really changed energy here well, no, I'm Bad. still, I'm still like, like into it. I love E3. It's just this year E3 was kind of like a, like a, like a neutral territory. You know, nobody was really firing shots. I think Microsoft really just like, they totally put up a, a freaking air ball. Sony wasn't at the, at the game and Microsoft just didn't bring out any of the big guns. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I didn't see the Stadia announcement or whatever Google did. Was there anything? See, I am I think a lot of our viewers will disagree. I think a lot of our listeners will disagree, but I'm sold on Stadia. I think Stadia, as a Destiny player, is brilliant because... Do you want to go into what Stadia is? So, so basically, it's streaming. Um, imagine not having a set-top box. Imagine not having an Xbox. Imagine not having a Switch or a PS4 to, to play a game on. Not having a disc. What if you could stream a game to a Chromecast connected to your TV and your only hardware is just the controller. If you have an internet that is fast enough to supply that, you're golden. And they just stream to you what Seems the game like is. Seems like a big if. It, it's, it's a lot of ifs. Um, and I'm, I, I, feel, I feel like if anyone can do it, it's Google. But I feel like if anyone can do it, then everyone would do it. Like the, the amount of like caps of uh, on your on your internet downloads that you that you need it needs to be huge you need to have a very fast connection so mm-hmm. it's gonna be a lot but they've got phil harrison uh formerly of uh formerly the head of xbox and they have jade raymond the creator of assassin's creed working on stadia like they are the architects of the entire platform and those are two names that carry a lot of weight with me so i'm very interested to see what they do mm-hmm. do we know when that's coming out november of this year, yeah, wow, yeah, uh, it's it's launching with Destiny Two and all of the latest Destiny expansions. And one of the ways that I kind of sold myself on it is now that you can cross save your Destiny characters, I can bring the Stadia version of Destiny with me on my laptop, on my phone, 
on my TV whenever we travel. And then if I ever want to play on my PS4, all that data talks to each other and I just use the same character. Man, the idea of being able to travel and play games like that on your laptop is appealing. It's it's incredibly appealing to me. Like imagine Thanksgiving. If we could go to your Imagine parents. Thanksgiving. Well, well, imagine if we went to your folks' place for Thanksgiving like we do and we don't have to bring like a PlayStation. We can just bring our computer and play on Chrome. That is very appealing to me. It's just not proven yet. Yeah, I th- I'm so curious about the strength of the internet connection required and how many people will really have what it takes. Yeah, it's it's a lot of ifs, but I don't want to be pessimistic about it. There have been a lot of people that have come before, tried and failed, but Microsoft is trying to mimic it with their uh, xCloud service, and Ubisoft just announced their own Orion, or sorry, Bethesda just announced their own Orion technology, which is essentially... Um, software to help stream games in this sort of thing so people are getting ready for it Mm -hmm. it's not something that's going to go away i think it's the future i just don't know if it's the future a year from now i think it's the future five or ten years from now yeah definitely i i do think it's the future five or ten years from now i'm curious how far we can get right now yeah um well i think maybe we should end on yeah yeah yeah. uh the Devolver Digital Conference. Oh my goodness. Which is always oh my God. the most wackadoodle part of E3. I'm so happy you brought this up. Oh my God. So last year was the first time I think I've ever watched the Devolver, Devolver Digital Conference. We got you caught up because last year was the second year they'd done it. And you were like, what the what hell is, is happening? This? Yeah. And well, why don't you explain? It's oh, very goodness. weird. So Devolver Digital is kind of like... I think they're like the cards against humanity of video game publishing. They find all these weird, zany, not zany, weird, dark comedy type video games and just give them a platform. And typically, nine times out of ten, these video games are great. And they always like to go against the grain. So instead of doing a press conference, they had this video about this overzealous executive who just wanted to sell you games so much so that she would like murder an intern on stage, have blood all yeah. over her face, and she'd keep going. So they hired this actress, and at the beginning, it seems like a regular conference. This was from two or three years ago? Two years ago, I think, so, yeah. Yeah, it seems like a regular conference um, presser, and she's talking and just sort of slowly gets like more and more outrageous in the way that she's behaving. And then, yeah, she like murders somebody on stage. Um, <laughs> and I don't even remember. Footage. There's stock footage of people like eating popcorn and enjoying it. Yeah. You have to look up, uh, if you haven't seen this, I highly recommend it. Look up the Devolver digital video from 2018. Yeah, sounds right. So I think that one ends where she like is like shot by the police or something. They blow her away like the beginning of RoboCop. Like yeah. 80 bullets into her chest. Right, and so this is the sequel. <laughs> this year they made a sequel to that, and it is so bizarre, and it's like all these Devolver people standing around her like brain-dead, plugged-in body being like, we're just going to have this conference inside her mind, like, and it's hell? so crazy. And it pretty much mirrors RoboCop at that point. Oh, does it? Yeah. Man, you are so much more familiar with RoboCop I'm a Robo boy for life, just like <laughs> Doom, baby. <laughs> uh, 10-year-old Aaron watched a lot of RoboCop. Aw. But yeah, they jack into her mind, and it's like, 
we why even have a press conference? We can do soulless sellout video game shilling in her mind. And make, right. It is Black Mirror. They do. And yeah, totally. And they really lean into the. That cyberpunk. We can control everything. Like, you know, we don't need her to really participate in this. We can just use her as the image. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't end well for her in this <laughs> particular installment of Devolver Digital Conference. But I have a feeling that in the next I have a feeling in the 2020 conference, she's going to like fucking blow up the whole building or <laughs> I, something. I believe as the Devolver video is ending, you said she's going to hyper murder her. Yeah, I said, I said, <laughs> so the next one is revenge. She gets revenge <laughs> in the next one. It's it's such a fun distraction from like the super mega importance that Microsoft likes to exude and like the the hyper violent kill energy that Bethesda brings right so they and they so they they have this like you know crazy acted out weirdness and then periodically they'll just be like here's like some smash cuts of a bunch of games that we that we published goodbye (laughs) there is a game they're releasing called carrion which is basically what if you were what if you made a video game of the movie alien but you played the alien. Oh, that actually looks really cool. Right. And the way the alien is depicted is like if a small child just had some crayons and like <laughs> scribbled a whole bunch of like red and pink into like a big fleshy ball. Remember when the thing is like changing into another person? Oh, yeah, no, or when it, like the dog the, the that dog. has like the, the stuff tendrils? sticking out? Ooh. Well, it's like that forever. Now I can't sleep. <laughs> um, I love that. Do, do you mind if I kind of go over some of the smaller games? Yeah, do it. So I I really wanted to make it a point to talk about some of the smaller games that were showcased that I really uh, took took just happiness in. Um, There is a game that was shown at the Microsoft booth called 12 Minutes by an indie developer named Luis Antonio. It's going to be releasing in 2020 on Xbox and PC. And it had one of the most interesting trailers. Essentially... The trailer begins with a man talking to a woman and he's saying, what did you do? You can tell me. I really want to help you. There's going to be a guy at the door. He's going to knock in 10 seconds and you need to tell me what's going on. I love you. What's happening? And then the guy knocks at the door and the woman goes, what are you talking about? This is crazy. The guy kicks the door in, like, like holds the woman down on the ground and shoots the guy. And as soon as he dies, the scene restarts and it's like Groundhog Day while you are trying to solve a murder. And it's so interesting. They showed just a, a brief gameplay trailer. And I... Go away, Siri. I wasn't talking to you. It was so, so interesting. Um, Wait, that's like... Um, what was the movie where... Okay, this Source is... Code? this is. Oh my God, you got it. I'm good at this game. <laughs> I was going to say, this is a horrible game that we have to play all the time. And I'm not even old yet. <laughs> but I'm always like... The thing with the movie and the guy mm-hmm. and the girl and you you're so good at getting it. I cannot believe you got source code from that like three halting sentences. We've known did. each other since nineteen ninety seven or some, something like some that. year. Um I also want to point out there's a game on Kickstarter right now called Skatebird colon He's trying his best. I love the colon. And it, <laughs> say that again sensually. I love the colon. <laughs> So it's on Kickstarter right now. Skatebird is on Kickstarter right now, and it's essentially just what it sounds like, a Tony Hawk pro skater game, 
but you play as like a robin, like a little small bird. And it's a little small bird. It's so adorable. It looks like a ton of fun. And I don't know, man, like it looks great. Uh, so please check that out. Also, uh, the sequel to Monster Prom, Monster Prom 2, uh, currently on Kickstarter, was shown at the Kind of Funny Game Showcase. These are three games that I have a lot of faith in. I haven't seen enough to really endorse them, but they look fantastic. And they're from indie developers, and we have a platform to talk about it, so I want to get it out there. So Skatebird on Kickstarter now, uh, 12 Minutes, which is coming to Xbox and PC next year, and Monster Prom 2. Oh, and one other game. There's a game called One Night Stand. It's coming to consoles. It was released in 2016 on Itch.io, and it's basically a choose-your-own-adventure about a one-night stand. There's 12 different endings. Looked really interesting. Got a very, very cool sketchbook art style that I found really uh, just just appealing. So check that out, too. Maybe that would be a fun one to play for the show. You want to have a one-night stand with me? We could talk about our one-night stand. Yeah, girl. Ooh. Let's do it. Uh, wait, and do you know when Carrion's coming out or I, where? Because that did look good. I don't know when it's coming out. Let me, I'm going to use the old Google. Carrion Google. released. I'm not even like editing this episode. I'm just releasing the raw file. Yeah, I hope you like it raw. I hope you like audience. that raw file. Uh, Carrion is set to release in 2020 on PC and console, though no exact date was revealed. Check it out. Yeah, look great. Great pick. Yeah. Good job. Um, is there any other big game you want to talk about? No, I think that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It was, again, and I would talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses more, but that game comes out in a month. So whatever, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that means you can't talk about it, but I support you in I your choices. I think it looks cool. I, I just, Doom and Final Fantasy Seven is where it's at. Two turntables and a microphone. Two turntables and a microphone. Liz, do you wanna do you wanna send us out? I I have to do the outro too. Yeah, do the outro. Ah, oh, shit. I know. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. This podcast is produced every other week and with an occasional special episode such as today <laughs> for your enjoyment. Come back often and feel free to add the Cooperatives podcast to your favorite pod catcher. Reviews are very 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 welcome and they help our show succeed. We don't spend tons of money on advertising. We don't spend any money. We don't spend tons or any or money any. on advertising. And it would be awesome if you would review the show, tell all your friends, tell your family. Tell your enemies. Tell your enemies to enemy. listen to the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at cooperativespod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash cooperativespod. If there's a particular game you think we should review... Please don't hesitate to send us an email at cooperativespod at gmail.com or leave us a message on social media. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Um, I think that's about it. What do you got? Anything? I think that's it for me. All right. Well, then I'm probably going to release this raw file into the wild. Can't wait. Raw wild file. Wow. You, you better just stop right now. What do you mean? We're making it so much. Everyone stop listening. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We love you. Podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.